Support for the Fact Checker podcast is provided by New Pioneer Food Co-op. Celebrating 50 years as Eastern Iowa's source for locally and responsibly sourced groceries with stores in Iowa City, Coralville, and Cedar Rapids, and online through Co-op Cart at newpi.coop. Welcome to this week's edition of the Fact Checker podcast. Um, before we get started, we'll introduce the team. Uh, I'm Marissa Payne, the Gazette's Cedar Rapids government reporter. I'm Elijah Deshus, the Gazette's feature reporter. I'm Michaela Ram. I'm the Gazette's healthcare reporter. And I'm Erin Jordan. I'm the Gazette's investigative reporter. All right. And our, our check this week was a real doozy. You know, maybe if I had an economics degree, um, wouldn't have brought so much pain and you know my last name is pain so i i put up with pain on a daily basis but this one this was something else um better better you than me (laughs) thanks i love the support from my fact checker gang um but yeah we'll, we'll get started and then you'll see what what the pain's all about um So as Iowa Republicans uh, work to broker another bill that would cut individual income tax rates, uh, some lawmakers are touting tax reform as a way to compete with other states' workers and make Iowa attractive to a growing workforce. Uh, The claim that we're looking at this week is from Iowa Senator Mike Klemesh, who's a Republican from Spillville. Um, He wrote in his January 14th legislative newsletter about uh, proposals in the state house to ensure Iowans keep more of their hard-earned money is how he characterized it. Democrats have criticized these plans as disproportionately benefiting higher wage earners. So Governor Kim Reynolds, uh, in her condition of the state address, proposed a 4% flat tax rate, which would be less than half of the current top Iowa income tax rate if approved. Uh, The House and Senate have both unveiled different packages that staff estimate would provide $1.7 $1.7 billion and nearly $2 billion in tax relief, respectively. And those both carry higher price tags than uh, than the governor's $1.6 billion proposal. Uh, so the, the claim that we're looking at is uh, data has long shown the states with low or no income tax grow more quickly than states with high punitive tax rates. Um, so the, the senator, he pointed to articles highlighting population shifts from high-income tax states to lower no-income income tax states to support this claim. Uh, the Wall Street Journal reported that this migration, especially among states in the Sun Belt, has been going on for well over a decade. And the journal pointed to, um, so first, Illinois' population declining by over 140,000 between spring 2020 and this past summer um, as 151,512 people on net left the state for other states. California lost over 300,000 amid a a net out migration of 429,283 residents. And then New York um, was the, saw the biggest population loss um, with their population shrinking 365 thousand or 365 336 um and then it went on to say that texas added over 380,000 residents 
Uh, Florida gained 242,941 in its population. Um, and then Arizona saw its population grow by over 124,000. And Texas and Florida have no income tax, while Arizona has income tax rates below 5%. Um, and then the senator also pointed to data from right-leaning organizations such as the American Legislative Exchange Council, uh, the Tax Foundation Think Tank, and the National Review showing that Americans were on the move to lower tax states. Um, but there's some news coverage um, looking at the uh, the notion of California exodus, uh, for instance, where um, you know basically there's factors besides income tax rates that experts say may be driving people to leave the state. Uh, you know, including a high cost of living, a poor climate outlook, and um, you know density in population also being a concern. Um, you know, just in terms of avoiding contracting the coronavirus. Um, and though higher income taxes means workers take home less cash, you know, perhaps contributing to the problem of, um, you know, affordability challenges, it's hard to determine with certainty that the tax rates alone are driving those population shifts. Uh, so to assess similar claims that are used to justify state income tax cuts, the nonpartisan uh, Institute on Taxation and Economic Policy in 2017 analyzed 18 states with opposite tax policies, so the, the nine with no personal income taxes and the nine with the highest marginal personal income tax rates throughout the last decade. And using Bureau of, of Economic Analysis data, the Institute found that overall and per capita GDP, as well as average incomes, grew faster in states with the high top income taxes. And they refreshed their data um, in 2019 and found that it, it still held up. So um, they they did know that their study didn't control for factors such as industry mixes, natural resource endowments, tourism advantages, um, geography, and climate. Uh, so they cautioned against concluding that a state's tax policy was the primary contributor to its growth. Um, but they suggested at, at least that their findings cast doubt on claims that tax cuts equate to economic growth. Uh, but to the contrary, a 2018 study published in the Quarterly Journal of Economics found that um, that marginal rate cuts lead to increases in real GDP and declines in unemployment. There's also evidence that the responses are to marginal tax rates rather than average tax rates. Um, and then other experts acknowledge that you know there is kind of a mixed academic consensus on this matter. So a 2015 Brookings Institution study on the relationship between tax, state taxes and growth notes that there are, you know, studies available to support findings either way. You know, that tax cuts speed up growth, that they have no effect, um, or that it's kind of hard to ascertain their effect just based on, you know, the sheer amount of different economic factors um, that can be used in a, a methodology of any one study. Um, but ultimately, um, based on their methodology, they found that the overall impression generated by their results was that state-level economic growth is not closely tied to state-level tax policy. Um, but yeah, so opponents of this theory of trickle-down economics, uh, which suggests that cutting taxes for higher income earners will promote job creation and um, an investment so that these benefits are felt by all point to Kansas failed go at tax cuts. Um, so about a decade ago, 
In 2012 and 2013, Kansas Governor Sam Brownback implemented tax cuts in an effort to boost the state economy. And um, that was you know, just a few years after the 2008 recession. So lawmakers cut the top rate of the state's income tax from 6.45% and 6.25% to 4.9%. So um, you know, some of these higher income earners were allowed to pay the same marginal rate as middle, middle income earners. And then the bottom rate fell from 3.5% to 3%. Um, ultimately, a few years later, um, I believe in t- like by 2018, the Republican-controlled legislature um, reversed the tax cuts um, after it led to sluggish growth and shrank revenue, uh, which fueled cuts to government spending on priorities such as education and infrastructure. Um, so that is kind of all that I've found, and I'm struggling to reach an exact conclusion since, um, you know, as I shared academic consensus on the relationship between economic growth in states and their tax policies, you know, it's pretty unclear. Yeah, we'll open it to the team for your guys' thoughts. Marissa, I really, I'm glad you kind of spelled out the history of the Kansas um, tax cut, because obviously it's a neighboring state or, you know, a Midwestern state with Iowa and has a lot of similarities in terms of industry and population and and that kind of thing. Um, I mean, there were so many studies that have been on this topic. And as you say, um, you looking at them cumulatively, there's not a clear cut result of all of them saying one direction or another. But I think um, looking at studies that, that highlight states that are similar to Iowa, I think is really relevant. Um, I'm wondering, I know you spoke or you were um, in communication with the National Conference of State Legislatures, right? I mean, I mm-hmm. wonder, did they kind of just point to some other studies or did they have any, um, you know, guidance about which studies they thought were most uh, authoritative? Um, they pointed me in the direction of I mean, some of the ones that I included, like the Brookings Institution study, um, but they they didn't really have any research on hand uh, among their own organization, but the, the places that they pointed me to, um, they, they did point me to a mix of, uh, you know, experts that suggest that tax cuts contribute to growth um, and the other studies that suggest, you know, the opposite. Yeah, it really sounds like the research is a mixed bag. I mean, there's so much nuance when you think about just like growth, first off, is such kind of an arbitrary um topic anyway. But yeah, I mean, as you were talking about just sort of the number of reasons why an economy can grow, it, it's not just related to income taxes, right? So it, it makes sense that the studies are kind of split on that. Yeah. And I think the, the question is, if all these studies are so inconclusive, and we can't reach a consensus looking at these studies, how do we how do we grade? Do we give it kind of a middle of the road grade? Or is it would it be more towards the bottom? I mean, I would almost argue it would maybe tend toward trend toward the bottom, just because this is sort of definitive statement that the research is really kind of split on, um, or maybe it could be middle of the road because the research is so split. I don't know. How do you guys feel? Well, I would like to go back to his exact wording. Um, Marissa, do you mind like repeating exactly what he said in his newsletter? Yeah, so his exact claim was data has long shown the states with 
lower no income tax grow more quickly than states with high punitive tax rates. And when um, he got back with you for some sourcing, um, what what studies or what did he cite as being where he got that claim? I mean, all the evidence that he provided really focused on population growth. But as I said, I don't think that entirely, you know, the reason that lawmakers implement tax cuts is to stimulate the economy or, you know, so they hope. So just focusing on population growth as a, an indicator of economic growth doesn't, you know, that doesn't communicate a, a full picture. Yeah, that's true. And maybe to that point, though, do you have a sense of what the population growth was for Kansas during the time they had that tax cut? I don't know if we want to compare sort of his statement to what evidence we have to that example. I can look for that. I'm not sure off the top of my head, but I can look that up. So if we're going by a population growth claim, um, the the Wall Street Journal um, story that you cited um with Illinois' population decline, Illinois actually has a flat tax rate. It's 4.95%, which would be a little bit higher, about 1% higher than this, but they do have a flat tax rate. So if they have that and they're seeing population declines, um, I would probably not give this a great grade. I would give it a C at the highest. I would probably lean towards a D, but I don't know if Illinois is an anomaly in all this. I mean, I think that Illinois, you know, pointing that out about Illinois, um, because I believe then that their income tax rates are similar to Arizona, um, because I know I noted already that Arizona has income tax rates of less than 5%. So Illinois is also less than 5%. I mean, there's two examples uh, right there, um, you know, from the Journal of Illinois having that tax rate, but seeing a population decline, but then it uses... Arizona, which has, um, you know, I believe similar tax rates um, showing population growth. So, I mean, if you look at that alone, um, then tax rates alone cannot be like the indicator of how population is shifting. And do you know if Arizona's, does Arizona have a progressive tax system or is it a flat rate? I don't think there's one flat rate. I think there were like a couple of different points under 5%. Yeah, then it's progressive. Okay. I mean, with those two points, I yeah, I think that that kind of reinforces a lower grade for this for me. Yeah, I can get behind that. I mean, I also, too, Illinois, again, is a state, it's a Midwestern state. Obviously, it's different because it has Chicago. But, um, you know, it's, I think that gives it more comparison with Iowa. Um, and I guess, too, just the wording of the exact claim you know, data has long shown the states with low or no income tax growth grow more quickly than states with high punitive tax rates. Um, data has long shown. I mean, I guess if you had said like some data has shown, okay, but, you know, the implication here is that like it's conclusive that data, you know, and, and it really isn't conclusive. You know, so, I mean, I guess I come down on a C probably because I don't feel like we can say necessarily that it's, well, I don't know. Or can we say or do we feel as a team that it's less, it's, it's, it's half true or is it less than half true or more than half true? 
Like to me, that's where it comes like the, the D, the B, C or D. For me, it feels less than half true. It doesn't feel like there's a half truth there when you're making such a, when you're wording it so strongly and making it as if, you know, there's a consensus on this. To me, that's, I mean, the more we talk about it, the tougher I feel about giving it a C. I think it would be a D for me. Yeah, I mean, I keep kind of going back and forth in my head too, just sort of, you know, to your point, Aaron, is this equate to half to true just because of the the research that is available or not. But I don't know, I also just kind of keep coming back to the the thought that correlation does not equal causation, right? Like the income tax and the population rate, it's not like one is not directly tied to the other. I mean, it's a factor, sure, but I don't know. I just thought it was an interesting choice to sort of point to that as a um uh, the reason why a population may fluctuate in a state. So I keep kind of going back to that and thinking that, you know, maybe that is worth further docking to a D just because, um, you know, there was not that nuance in that statement and that claim of, of other factors that could economic factors that could be at play here. Marissa, as you hear us kind of talk about your research and your writing here, is it helping shape how you feel what grade you would come down on? I think, think I lean toward a D. I mean, like we've talked about, you know, giving weight to the fact of like, you know, data has long shown, you know, the way he phrases that and the reality that there are studies that explicitly say like, there's really, you know, quite a lack of consensus on this matter. Yeah. So I disagree with stating it so definitively. And maybe that's kind of the sticking point, right? Just there's a lack of consensus or, you know, maybe downgrading his statement. Yeah, I think that if if that's the grade we go with, and I am okay with a D as well, I think we'll really need to spell out, you know, specifically like why we went with that and that, you know, the focus perhaps on that specific wording that he chose to use. And yeah. I don't know, but, the, but then on the flip side, it's like, is it a C? Because, you know, there are results that support his claim. Yeah, that's tough. And like, you know, in some metrics, you know, I don't know. Well, I mean, a D is not saying you are completely false here. I mean, if you're in school and you get 60% of the questions right, that's a D. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I mean, I know that's not how we grade things here, but, you know, it's well, not enough. And as our former podcast team member liked to say, you know, the avoiding like an F is an indication there's this kernel of truth that is there, but it's, um, you know, perhaps not as strong as the elements that make it not true. So, I mean, it's acknowledging that, you know, maybe we can see where he was coming from, but the way he worded it indicates that like this is a decided thing and it really isn't yeah that's a good way of thinking about it a kernel of truth i, I should give john he, he probably needs some royalties john steppy <laughs> yeah and i mean this is like a whole other thing that um i mean i didn't even go into this at all but i mean to the to the argument that democrats make against uh, tax cuts like this like one flat tax rate and having you know, a regressive tax, uh, like, I mean, basically like a sales tax, um, you know, the impact that that has on lower to moderate income households and, 
you know, that's disproportionately people of color to, um, you know, what, what's the long-term impact of that on a society? Um, you know, when, when people have those, uh, you know, struggles to afford homes or, you know, access to good education and, um, you know, things like that in the long term, you know, there's that drains a society too. And people don't all have the same access to those sort of needs. Not to mention Iowa is becoming increasingly diverse. So if that's, you know, a disproportionate impact on people of color and Iowa is becoming more diverse, that as a stands to reason, it would impact a greater share of Iowans over time. I'd also be curious to see who is leaving these states with a project with a progressive income tax system if it's you know middle and low income states or if it or middle or low income families or if it's higher income families because um i mean if your income is mostly in those lower brackets and you go to a place with a flat rate you know all those brackets are likely to jump up yeah and also just i mean moving it you know that costs money between deposits and just all the materials to move. And so if you're lower income, you're less likely to be able to just up and move. So, yeah. So, right. And they would, oh, sorry. No, I was just going to say, and they would move where the jobs are. Right. I don't know how much income tax would really play into that. It, you know, for a lower income family, I would imagine it would be kind of the value of the salary and the benefits more than anything. Yeah. That's quite a, I could see the tax rate and the cost of living. You mentioned cost of living being another another factor. I could see those really being interconnected. You know, if like you, um, you know, I lived in Idaho for a while and there was always kind of this story, whether it was true or not, that there were all these Californians moving to Idaho, you know, because lower taxes, lower cost of living, a variety of factors, um, you know, it wasn't just, wasn't just taxes, you know, that the, that's, there's ideology, there's a lot of different reasons you could potentially leave one state for another. Yeah. Um, so we all agree on a D then? That I sounds agree. like it. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Well, um, let's see, what do we have kind of in the hopper for next week? Well, I found a tweet from Iowa Senate Democrats who said that Governor Reynolds is The Iowa Senate Democrats proposed a fact check, and they said Governor Reynolds is proposing a budget cut to an already underfunded Iowa State Patrol, and that Kim Reynolds and Iowa Republicans are the only ones proposing to defund the police. Um, And there have been a couple people jumping on that and saying that's not true. So I think, um, Aaron, are you taking that one for next week? Yeah, that works for me. I'm already thinking like, you know, that one of these responses says none of this is true. Governor's proposing giving the Iowa State Patrol 66 million, the exact amount the agency requested. Um, so it does it does make me curious whether, you know, when they're talking about um, the budget cut, if Senate Democrats are talking about like inflation, you know, like, you know, like, um, yeah that sort of thing. So it'll be interesting to wade into that one. Yeah, it should be interesting because the ones I saw responding to it and saying it wasn't true were people that I know are fairly left-leaning. So, 
Well, I'm also curious because last year, like I had heard that State Patrol was going to ask for like $3.5 million for body cameras. And I haven't heard whether that's part of their budget request for this year. So I'll, as a side note, I will explore whether that's included. Fact checker bonus. (laughs) Great. Well, it sounds like we'll have another interesting and timely check for next week. So yeah, I guess that is a wrap on this week's check. Um, if you have anything you'd like us to look into, you can email us at factchecker at thegazette.com. Fact checks are edited by Craig Jamolis. Our podcasts are produced by Stephen Colbert, and our music is Lobby Time by Kevin McLeod. Uh, I am Marissa Payne. I'm Elijah Dishas. I'm Michaela Ram. And I'm Aaron Jordan. And until next time, we'll fact check you later.
Get a daily update from the Gazette with our daily news podcast. Add it to your podcast player or your Alexa-friendly device to get a bite-sized local news update each day. Check it out at thegazette.com slash podcasts.